Members of the U.S. Congress learned little from the Department of Defense Inspector General on recovered UFOs and non-human intelligence. The Y Files discusses super soldiers and 20 and back secret space programs. Australian spaceports to be used for U.S. rocket launches as a cover for secret space programs under the AUKUS agreement. Highlights from the Galactic Spiritual Informers Connection. Conversation with Thorhan Eredjian about the hub being built on Jupiter, the moon, Ukraine and, U- and Palestine. More information about Malaysian Airlines Flight 370 and Diego Garcia. The newest signatories to China's Lunar Research Program shows that China is desperately struggling to attract nation states to sign on. Dr. Sean Kirkpatrick, the head of the All Domain Anomalous Resolution Office, is being outed by members of Congress as a UFO gatekeeper. And a new update by JP on his mission to a Nordic inner earth civilization for life extension technology. And my new webinar for November 25 is to be announced. You're listening to Exopolitics Today with Dr. Michael Sala, your source for the uncensored truth regarding the human, extraterrestrial, global, and political agenda. Click the like button and subscribe to this channel. And now, here's Dr. Michael Sala. Welcome to Exopolitics Today, the week in review for October 28th. Uh, There's quite a lot of things that have happened. Uh, I just got back from the Galactic Spiritual Informers Connection Conference that was held last weekend, and uh, there were about 800 people in attendance. It was uh, a a very special event, and we do have some highlights to show you from that event. Uh, I I should mention I did get an award. I got an award uh, for, let's see what the award was for. Let's see, I mean... Worth announcing, it says Galactic Spiritual Informers Connection Recognition Award. So recognition for uh, exopolitics research. So that was a very nice um, surprise uh, from the organizers from the Galactic Spiritual Informers Connection. And uh, so let's get into the stories for this week. So let me bring up my Twitter feed and you should uh, now... Uh, see the topics that I covered. Again, for those of you that want to dive deeper into the various issues that I discuss, just go to uh, twitter.com forward slash Michael Sala and you can see my Twitter feed where all the links are there for the stories that I cover. So here's one uh, uh, that there was a story from the Canberra Times. Canberra is the capital of Australia. I actually spent uh, close to three years in, in Canberra, Australia. I was uh, teaching at the Australian National University in the Department of Political Science. So uh, fond memories of, of my time in Canberra. But the Canberra Times highlights the Australian Department of Defence's complete disregard for the national security threats and safety of flight risks that UAPs pose. So this is very interesting that the Australia's Department of Defence is not, publicly at least, not taking the UFO issue seriously and not attending Five Eyes briefings. So there was a Five Eyes UAP briefing 
and the Australia did not attend. Now, that is very, very interesting. Uh, it does kind of suggest that, uh, you know, we know that there are different factions, both pro and anti-disclosure. The anti-disclosure faction is controlled by the deep state, and uh, they still have surprising strength. And in Australia, it looks like that they are able to block any kind of public initiative that recognizes UFOs, UAPs as a genuine uh, national security issue or something that is worthy of study. So that's very interesting. And this does support claims that Australia is still a haven for the global deep state. That's, that's controlling the ET cover-up. And later on, I will talk about what's happening in the United States that shows that uh, the deep state is pushing back against recent initiatives uh, to promote UFO disclosure. Okay, so here's the, uh, an update that I did on October 23rd. Uh, that was on Monday. Uh, this was from JP, uh, a mission to Nordic... Inner Earth Civilization for Life Extension Technologies. So let me just go to the to this. Okay, so uh, JP was part of a uh, a team of four soldiers led by a medical officer that went to an underground facility on a, on a major military base, and he was taken to this library, to this ancient library. And he met an inner earth civilization. Now, these were just, they looked like Nordics, uh, but they weren't extraterrestrials. They were just you know, the blue eyes, fair skin, uh, blonde hair. And uh, they handed over some life extension technology to the medical officer that JP was escorting uh, as part of his four-man team. So this was... Quite a fascinating story because it this because it described how there was a elevator on the military base that went down sixteen levels, and at the bottom of those sixteen levels, uh, when JP left, he and that the rest of his team walked through a long corridor and they saw a, a lot of rooms, a lot of personnel working on these uh, various projects on computers. And then at the end of that, they went down another elevator, but that other elevator, the second elevator was a much faster one that went down deep into the inner earth. And that's when, uh, and, he, and he described the elevator as similar, uh, kind of similar technology to what's seen on the arcs. So this went down very deep into the earth. And that's when the, the, he was met, uh, his team was met by these Nordic inner earth beings. Now, we don't know their name, but uh, definitely a fascinating story. So that that update, uh, that came out on Monday. All right, so here is uh, Timothy Alberino. He is uh, someone I've interviewed three times now on Exopolitics Today, and he's quite an expert on uh, Peru, uh, the artifacts in Peru, as in particular the Amazon region in Peru that is inhabited by uh, indigenous natives. Uh, uh, and 
he speaks the local dialect. He spent a decade there. So he is very familiar with the area. And, of course, that has been in the news the last few months, uh, going back to July, when there were these reports of these kind of floating extraterrestrials that were trying to abduct some of the young people. And shots were fired at these extraterrestrials or these floating beings and shots fired at point-blank range and the shots had no impact. And they just flew off. And the official media, the Peruvian media, made the claim that, well, these were just gold miners using jetpacks. Well, I mean, jetpacks are very loud. I mean, these these um, floating beings, these luminous floating beings, I mean, they, there was a lot of light emanating from them. Uh, they were silent. And also, miners, uh, if they're in jetpacks and they get shot at point-blank range, I mean, you'd think uh, they would be injured seriously. So that didn't happen. So Timothy Alberino has gone down to Peru, and I will be... Uh, covering updates from him about what he encounters down there. So definitely, uh, Timothy Alberino, he has uh, a, a lot to kind of like find out and investigate, but he's very knowledgeable, so uh, hope to hear back. So that's him there with one of his uh, children um, leaving for Peru. So hopefully uh, all goes well and he's uh, safe there. Uh, Peru is definitely... Uh, let's just say it's a place uh, where your your safety can never be taken for granted. So, I mean, he knows the area, so I think he should be good, and he's part of a team, and I think he's got some security with him, so he should be okay. But still, you know, one has to be careful. Okay, so this is very interesting. There are members of the U.S. Congress that are now outing Dr. Sean Kirkpatrick, who was made the inaugural head of the All Domain Anomalous Resolution Office. And they're criticizing uh, Kirkpatrick as a gate, gatekeeper of UFO, UAP data by keeping secret the identities of the group making the final recommendation on which UFO cases have genuine national security implications or not. So here's the story. This, is, this comes from the UAP caucus. That is a group of six members of uh, the House of Representatives in the U.S. Congress who have decided that they are going to lobby to have the UFO issue uh, taken seriously and uh, bring about as much transparency as possible. And so these six members have created a website and they're also work working with members of the US Senate as well to bring about uh, transparency on UFOs. So... In this particular post uh, on the UAP uh, Twitter feed, you see clarifying Arrow's credibility amidst controversy. Okay, so Dr. Kirkpatrick has a senior technical advisory group uh, that goes by the acronym STAG that advises him on which UFO cases are to be publicly released. And the controversy is that, well, if you don't know who these officials are, then how can there be transparency in exactly what is uh, being reviewed and what is being disclosed? 
And so in this uh, tweet by the UAP caucus, they say, understanding the framework of Arrow's operations makes it apparent, apparent why the presence of so-called gatekeepers of secrecy within STAG raises credibility concerns. Okay, so the bottom line here is that uh, the Arrow office, through the process it has adopted for deciding which of the UFO cases it reviews, determines are genuine, which of those are going to be publicly released and and why were they determined to be genuine or not you know um, this is this is a long running problem i mean there was uh, you, you you can go back in history to project blue book and you know there were committees and decisions being made about which ufo's were genuine or not and without clarity on who's making those decisions it, it can't be really worked out exactly whether or not uh, stuff is being held back. So I think uh, this is a, a legitimate concern by uh, Senator Gillibrand here. Okay, so let's uh, move on to the next story. So here's a story about China's Lunar Research Program, which is the, the big alternative or the major alternative to uh, the Artemis Accords. Currently, the Artemis Accords have 29 nations that have signed on to not only uh, conduct joint uh, operations for uh, lunar missions, but to also cooperate in developing space for commercial uh, enterprises. So China set up its own uh, research initiative for the moon, and so far it's been struggling to attract uh, major countries to that. Uh, it, the newest signatories, Belarus and Pakistan, neither of them have space programs of any great uh, standing. And it's very clear that this is a political decision because really th these two nations can't contribute very much, if, if anything, to China's lunar research program. But nevertheless, uh, China is making a big deal that these two nations have signed on to the lunar uh, research program because China desperately needs the appearance that major nations or there's a lot of uh, nations on the planet that support it and its space initiatives. Uh, you probably recall or maybe you don't know that in 2021 uh, there were agreements reached above the Jupiter, in the atmosphere of Jupiter at a, at a base there, where US Space Command was made the chairman or the leading nation to represent Earth nations. And China was very upset with that, as was Russia. But, but the Russians, uh, they are cooperating with the US. I mean, they are part of the uh, International Space Program. Uh, International Space Station, so the ISS. So, you know, they have long been cooperating with the scientific community, the space community uh, among the US and major European nations. Uh, but China has been denied that. So, China is desperately trying to develop an alternative, but really failing to attract major nation states to join it in developing lunar research uh, facilities. Okay, here's another story. Uh, so this was on October 25. 
So that was on uh, Wednesday, and that this was referring to a meeting that was going to be held on Thursday where members of the U.S. House Oversight Committee would meet in a classified uh, SCIF facility, that's a Sensitive Compartment Information Facility, to hear testimony about UFOs, UIPs, from the Department of Defense Inspector General. Uh, when the... Uh, House Oversight Committee held hearings on UAPs uh, on, on July 26. They heard from David Grush, and they learned that he had shared a lot of classified information that he couldn't publicly disclose at the House Oversight Committee meeting, which was a public meeting, that he could only disclose it in a skiff facility. But nevertheless, uh, he told the members of Congress that the inspector generals of the Department of Defense and the intelligence community had heard all his information. So everything Grush wanted to share but claims he couldn't share because of uh, classification uh, laws, this was potentially something that the inspector general could reveal in a SCIF facility to members of Congress. So that was what was set up on Thursday, but as we will see, uh, not much was revealed at all. But I'll come back to that shortly. Okay, so here's here's uh, an interesting development. There was a article that's just come out uh, by a, a Carolyn Brulard, who talked about the truth about M Malaysian Airlines Flight 370, and it it talked about video footage that came out showing three orb-like objects sur sur surrounding a plane. So this was this was video that showed three orbs around a plane, presumably uh, three Malaysian Airlines Flight 370, and the plane disappeared. And, and where it disappeared to, I mean, that's where you get a lot of speculation. Now, I did interview a, a secret space program insider by the name of Mark Domizio, who says that he knows that Flight 370 was taken to Diego Garcia, which is in the Indian Ocean, and that it was dismantled and some of the remains of the flight were, were kind of sent around uh, to make it look as though it had crashed, that remnants of the flight were kind of distributed on various islands to, to make it look like it was an accident. So, yeah, this is still a mystery and more information is coming out. And, of course, this new video showing uh, the three objects uh, is is very – see, so here, you have it here. And uh, you can see a plane and you can see three orb-like objects around it. And uh, the video shows that the, these objects – there you go, another one, the three objects around the plane – and then at some point, the planes just simply disappeared. So, so there, that video footage uh, has been kind of widely distributed. And this is a nice, uh, well-written article that goes into the details about what happened, who was on Flight 370, why it may have been taken out, uh, if not shot down, at least transported to another location. So well worth taking a look at that article. Okay, so here's a 
update I did uh, with Elena Danan uh, the day after the Galactic Spiritual Informers Connection Conference, and uh, we did a I had a conversation with Thorhan Aredian. Uh, for those not familiar with Thorhan, uh, Elena Danan is in communication with Thorhan through an implant, a physical implant in her head, which gives her kind of like a direct line to Thorhan, not only where she can converse with him, but also where she can see through his eyes, which is quite fascinating. So here's, here she is uh, answering questions, or sorry, relaying answers from Thorhan Aredjian about these different topics that I asked him about. So the, the Jupiter Hub, uh, that is a large spacecraft or a large base, similar to the sci-fi shows Babylon 5 or Deep Space Nine, where you have the these very large multinational with different extraterrestrial civilizations visiting these floating space bases or these space bases in orbit around uh, planets. So the, the Jupiter hub is currently being built and Thorhan described it as being built around a space arc, uh, which is very, very interesting. I think it was, uh, he mentioned that the Altians uh, supplied a space arc. The Altians are one of 24 CETA extraterrestrials. They supplied a space arc around which uh, this huge base is being built, and it will be a place for galactic diplomacy, galactic trade, and uh, tourism, galactic tourism. So uh, that the Jupiter Hub, uh, that is something that is under construction. And I, I don't remember him actually giving a date uh, for this, but I presume it'll it'll take a few years. We're probably not talking uh, too many years. Probably by the 2030s, it'll be done. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I, I don't remember the exact date for when he said it was completed. Uh, the moon, uh, Thorhan also answered questions about the moon, what's happening on the moon in terms of uh, med beds being developed. And uh, very interesting, he made the point that the med beds are going to be made available for people that have a need, uh, people that are sick, having serious illnesses, missing limbs, that sort of thing, the med beds will be made available for, for them. They will be given top priority, whereas individuals, healthy individuals, uh, they will be expected to uh, develop kind of uh, a knowledge of alchemy and uh, meditation, uh, being able to spend a lot of time raising their frequency, their vibration, so that they can bring about self-healing. So that's that is, so presumably there's going to be a lot of new information coming forward for, for how to optimize human health uh, because not everyone is going to be able to have access to med beds and obviously makes sense that those that are in greatest need in terms of you know, curable illnesses, missing limbs and so forth, that they will have the priority. Then we talk about the Ukraine conflict and the Ukraine conflict, I think he brought up some very important issues about underground facilities that the Russians wanted to take out. Under, underground cloning and genetic um, facilities that had, been, that had been built in Ukraine, that the deep state had uh, arranged for the construction of these. And Vladimir Putin saw these as a great threat. Um, and there's also a space arc 
in the Oleshki Sands National Park region. And that was also uh, something that Vladimir Putin wanted to take control over. But the, but the main emphasis was to take out these biological laboratories and these cloning facilities that presumably would have been used for attacking Russia. And finally, Israel-Palestine. And yes, this is the conflict that is in a current state of escalation. And uh, we can really hope and pray that it doesn't escalate any further. But it does look very much like uh, things are going to kind of like take a dramatic turn for the worse in terms of uh, Israel invading the the Gaza Strip. Uh, But Thorham gives his perspective on this as this conflict as is something that has been contrived by the deep state, that both sides are in a way being played or owned by the deep state. So they're using both the uh, Israelis and the Palestinians to kind of like go at each other because the deep state wants a third world war. That's what they're, they're trying to bring about. And so the Galactic Federation, the White Hats, the Earth Alliance are going to prevent this. But of course, uh, you know, we're going to go through this um, nightmare scenario now where we are going to watch uh, the world get perilously close to not only a major regional war, but a third world war where uh, the US and Russia are actively shooting at each other because the Russians have bases in Syria and the US uh, has started attacking some of the bases belonging to Iran in Syria. So this could easily escalate. So uh, take a look at this update. I think you'll be very happy with it because uh, the, the situation isn't nearly as bad as the legacy media makes it out to be. Okay, so here's the highlights from the presentation of Jean-Charles Boyen at the Galactic Spiritual Informers Connection Conference. So he has a a 23-minute, a 20-minute YouTube video of uh, some of the highlights from his presentation and shots of others, uh, myself getting this this award. You can see that in Jean-Charles. Let's see if I can maybe bring that up. I think that's of interest. So, so here is the update from the Galactic Spiritual Informers Connection Conference. Uh, you can see uh, Danny Henderson there, the organizer, uh, Jean Charles Moyen uh, entering the stage. Uh, this is something that uh, Danny has introduced, where all the speakers before their presentation have some inspiring music playing, and they take the walk down the aisle. So that's that's a lot of fun to do that. Uh, Jean-Charles presenting. Um, I actually did a, an interview with Jean-Charles where he goes into depth into the French secret space program. So that'll be coming out in another week or so. So you get to hear uh, Jean-Charles' uh, expertise on that. So let's move on. Uh, Jean-Charles talking some more. This is... Okay, uh, Jean-Charles. And this is the, the entire... Okay, this is a a, a group of Japanese visitors, Um, the audience just um, enjoying uh, some good times of closing ceremony. And uh, so, yeah, so a a very fun conference. Uh, There I am at the Kennedy Space Center 
Let me go back to that so you can see it. Yeah, there we are at the Kennedy Space Center. Uh, that was a lot of fun where a group of us went there to, to, take, a, to take a look. Okay. All right, so you go have a look at the, the highlights just to get a sense of uh, what transpired at the, at the conference. Okay, so here's something that I thought was very interesting that uh, came out on Friday. Uh, this is a joint agreement uh, between the US and Australia for US rocket launches to be uh, conducted out of Australian spaceports. Now, why are they doing this? Uh, I mean, uh, why would uh, US rocket companies want to launch out of Australia? Well, I think one of the reasons is that this is an ideal way of creating a cover program for the expansion of existing secret space program facilities in Australia. This is the way it's being done in the United States, where whenever you want to establish or expand a classified facility with anti-gravity spacecraft that have been uh, retro-engineered, back-engineered, what you do is you have a cover program. So for Area 51, you have the cover program of the U.S. spy planes and that the real space program has been is being conducted out of the S-4 facility. So similarly in Australia, uh, you have uh, Australia taking a more prominent role now in conducting these secret space programs. Uh, Australia is part of the AUKUS agreement, which is an agreement between Australia uh, the uh, United Kingdom and the United States to share the highest level secrets concerning nuclear technologies amongst one another. Uh, Australia is going to get nuclear submarines. And again, that's a cover for sharing the secrets of the uh, development and construction of anti-gravity spacecraft. So I think what's happening here with uh, Australia developing or expanding spaceports to be able to conduct rocket launches is that that will be a cover for underground facilities at the, at those locations uh, to house a lot of the assets of these flying saucer programs or these flying saucers or flying triangles or flying rectangles that are part of the Solar Warden or the uh, Air Forces or now Space Forces secret space program. So I think that's what's really going on here with this particular development. Okay, so here's an episode of The Y Files that features various individual testimonies about super soldiers and 20 and back secret space programs that date back to the 1990s. So uh, the, the Y Files is a very popular uh, show and uh, I think they have uh, close to 3 million subscribers. So definitely it gets the information out to a wide audience. So in this particular episode, they begin by looking at the testimony of uh, one of the secret space program insiders, claimed insiders, uh, Rebecca Rose, who's the, who says that she was taken to the Kuiper Belt uh, as part of the German Dark Fleet. And uh, she was... She was kind of um, had a lot of cybernetics implanted into her, so she became a super soldier uh, 
uh, to be used with uh, the programs, the dark fleet programs involving the dark fleet and draconian extraterrestrials. So that's a her story is fascinating. I have done one interview with her. Uh, and so they, they covered Rebecca Rose and then talked about other secret space program insiders and uh, mentioned uh, Corey Good. And so uh, so the Y Files talked about Corey Good. And uh, I worked closely with Corey Good for uh, six years, from 2015 to 2021. And we parted company in, in a friendly way in, in the sense that uh, – you know, my relationship with Corey was 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 positive. I mean, we we never had any real problem in terms of um, any kind of uh, financial disagreements or anything like that. Uh, we had um, uh, it was all kind of on the up and up. But then in 2021, um, Corey took exception to the information that I was getting from a number of insiders that I was uh, promoting. Um, uh, it wasn't just Elena Denam, but it was also um, Tony Rodriguez and uh, some others. But uh, one of the things about Corey Good that is pointed out in this episode of the Y Files is his uh, legal deposition in a court case where he backtracked on a key aspect of his testimony that he had given to me and to and to uh, David Wilcock and to many others. I mean, in the time I worked with Corey, uh, he was very clear that his revelations were based on him physically traveling to these different locations and having face-to-face -face encounters with inner earth beings, extraterrestrials, going out into space, going to Mars. I mean, his incredible testimony, which I, I think was... Uh, that helped kind of like expand our understanding of what's happening in secret space program and was corroborated by others such as William Tompkins that he presented all that as his direct physical experiences. Now, when he gave his legal deposition, he backtracked. He said that those that information was now something that was a product of his uh, imagination, fantasy, even delusion. I mean, he even referred to it as delusion. So why would he do that? I, I suspect it has a lot to do with him uh, wanting to claim uh, intellectual property, oh, you know, to claim as his own intellectual property, his testimony that was put out by Gaia TV. He's in a legal dispute with them. I don't want to go into that. But I, I think that, by doing this, Corey Good has discredited himself. Um, uh, I think he's done it for his reasons related to this kind of law case or this litigation with Gaia over intellectual property rights. But you know exactly what the nuances are. That's above my pay grade. But he has discredited himself, and he has done a disservice to those of us that have been researching this field for, for decades and worked closely with him and supported his testimony and defended him from many public attacks. I, I defended Corey from many public attacks, uh, but now he's discredited himself and, and that is a shame because he really has 
uh, undermine the, his credibility now as a, as a legitimate source for understanding what's going on in space out there. So the wife files goes into details into this and uh, really lays out that that Corey is now taking the position that his secret space program revelations were a product of his creative imagination, fantasy, and even delusion. So very sad. Okay, so here we have, uh, this is the the latest update uh, from uh, the members of the U.S. Congress that went to this uh, sensitive compartment information facility uh, on Thursday to hear from the Department of Defense Inspector General about what was learned from David Grush and other whistleblowers about UFOs and non-human intelligence that were being studied in classified military corporate facilities. So uh, it turns out that not much was learned after all. Um, that House members that came out of that uh, revealed that that they were essentially given the, the runaround. And, and here you have... Um, one of the members, Tim Burchett, let me let me play that like uh, for you. So Tim Burchett uh, talking about uh, what he had learned, which was essentially nothing. And other members of Congress also talked about uh, this meeting as as really being uh, a big runaround. So Burchett is making the case that the Pentagon is very good at keeping secrets and that it kept the Manhattan Project uh, secret uh, for years during the Second World War and is doing the same when it comes to UFOs. So to my mind, this kind of shows that even though uh, there are white hats and an Earth Alliance pushing for disclosure, you have a UFO or UAP caucus in the US Congress now in the House of Representatives. Uh, You have uh, this legislative initiative the, called the UAP Disclosure Act for 2023 being pushed in the uh, the uh, National, National Defence Authorization Act for 2024, that even though th- those initiatives promise that uh, we can expect some major disclosures on UFOs um, in 2024, uh, the deep state is holding on tooth and nail that, uh, that the... Uh, the, the Department of Defense, the Inspector General, is not revealing very much at all about what he was told by people like David Grush about what is happening in these corporate facilities where they have these retrieved UFO craft that originate from some U- non-human intelligence that was recovered with the craft. So uh, I think this is where the deep state is is pushing back. So here you have different representatives from the House of Representatives House of Representatives saying uh, they learned nothing from attending this SCIF facility meeting with the Inspector General from the Department of Defense. So very, very disappointing, but that's you know, that's the reality. Okay, so that really covers uh, the so the main stories from this from this week from my Twitter feed. I do have an announcement, and that announcement concerns. Uh, my next webinar, which is going to be held on November 25, uh, and I'm calling that the exopolitical state of the planet. So what I plan to do every year from now on is to do a webinar on the state of the planet. Where are we 
as far as UFO disclosure, extraterrestrial disclosure is concerned around the planet. So this is where we are going to get to, I, I get to go do a deep dive into the present state of the planet and, and I'll focus on some of the issues that I discussed in my interview or my conversation with Thorhan Aredian, where we discussed the Ukraine, where we discuss Israel-Palestine. How does that relate to this UFO extraterrestrial issue? Because geopolitics on the surface is all about nation states and non-state actors that are competing against each other. But exopolitics goes beyond that surface of geopolitics and looks at the deeper level of extraterrestrial visitors, ancient technologies, secret space programs, and how that underlies what we witness in the world around us in, in terms of geopolitics. So I will be doing a deep dive into that. Uh, you can get the information about my webinar on the uh, exopolitical state of the planet uh, by just going to exopolitics.org. The, the links will be there for that. So thank you for joining me in today's uh, Week in Review. Don't forget to like, click and share this to um, deal with the shadow banning that happens on YouTube. So thank you for watching and aloha. You have been listening to Exopolitics Today with Dr. Michael Sala. Please remember to like, share, and subscribe to this channel. Join or start a conversation in the comments. Take the time to explore the vast library of best-selling books, webinars, and podcasts by Dr. Sala. Visit exopoliticstoday.com. Thank you.